Welcome to Nearer to God, a podcast about the Bible, our walk with Him, and growing closer to God. We'll discuss Bible questions we receive from listeners. Let's get started. All right, so we are in Luke chapter 2, Marty tells me. <laughs> Appreciate Marty uh, teaching our class last week when I was out of town. So, um, in our lesson books, we're on page 10, lesson 2, at the very beginning of that lesson, which, which corresponds to Luke chapter 2. Well, let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll get into our, our class. Almighty God in heaven, we thank you that once again you've allowed us to get together and uh, look into your word, and we pray that you would bless us. As we, as we read from your word and, and consider these things together, that we would understand them the way you intend and that we would apply them to our lives and, and it would all be to your glory. We pray for those of our number that are sick and struggling. Pray your blessings on them. Help us to, to take practical steps to, to do your will and helping them as well. And again, all to your glory. We pray that uh, you'd help us each to grow by means of, of the service we offer and also the study that we, that we do together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so last time, just to turn back the page just a moment, uh, not, to, not to rehash exactly uh, what Marty did per se, but just to, just to get our minds lined up, you know, we're talking about, of course, the life of Christ in this study. Uh, last week, we, we talked specifically about uh, the part where, where Mary met with Elizabeth. Of course, Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist, miraculous birth because she was an older barren woman and then Mary of course a miraculous birth and that she was a virgin and did not know a man but yet the Holy Spirit uh, brought this to be and so these two ladies met while uh, while John leapt uh, left in the womb of, of Elizabeth and all of that and then we, we talked about uh, how how Zacharias um, you know, had been, t- been told about this birth and was unable to speak. And then at the naming of, of John, there was this question of, well, well who, what, what should you name this child? And of course, Elizabeth said, well, his name's John. And we would assume that over the course of nine months <laughs> that uh, Zacharias had, although he could not speak, must have communicated that to her in some way. And then as that question, well, no one's related. No one's, no one in your family's named John. Why would you name your son John? And then they go ask the father who can't talk and have him figure it out by writing and communicating that, in fact, it was John. And then that's where Zacharias is then able to speak again and glorifies God and, and sort of gives some prophecies about, about John and, and what he'll do. And then right after that, in, in terms of the chronology, and we're trying to focus on the chronology, making sense of that, that's, that's right there where I would say, uh, the announcement to Joseph occurs. You know, we, that was back in our questions back up, up there on page nine. We looked at that in, in context of question 15, was it? And I was kind of making the point that, that that wasn't quite where that fit. This would be where that would fit. So this would be the point, I believe, where where Joseph is then announced. You know, hey, hey, Joseph, you've, you've heard that you're betrothed 
is is pregnant and she's your betrothed, you're not with her, and so you're assuming she's you know unfaithful and impure and all of this, but in fact, um, this is of the Holy Spirit, and don't be afraid to take her as your wife. Okay, so that leads us to lesson two. Christ's life prior to his ministry is the label we have there. And the first little section is the birth of Jesus. Any, any uh, thoughts on, I kind of just breeze through what I think Marty probably talked about based on just that, the fact of the questions there. Were there any thoughts or questions or comments on, on that review? Is there something cool I missed, Marty? Very good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's go into our Bibles here and read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And if you want, you can follow along the screen or your Bible or whatever. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So, a familiar story, but, you know, getting into the details, sometimes there's a, a lot of pop culture things that maybe are read into that that aren't in the text, but let's 
Let's uh, get into our questions here. The first question asks us, who sent out a decree requiring all to go to their own city to be enrolled? Caesar. Caesar. Caesar Augustus. And we can, you know, pin that to history and figure out what we're talking about in a historical context. What was the purpose of this enrollment? Maybe a little harder. I don't know that it exactly says. Census, but... Yeah. What is, yeah, well, what's the purpose of the census? What's the purpose of the census? Yeah, I think census and enrollment are maybe the same Right. We question. talked about a little bit of this last week. Okay, what did you decide? I think you said something <laughs> about maybe taxation, you know, or, yeah. uh, you know, maybe a number of men. How many men are there for battle, maybe, perhaps? And yeah. he, could, he could build up his army or soldiers or something like that. I, I don't know. Which, in a way, is a sort of taxation, maybe, that yeah. we're going to, how many we're going to recruit from your area? Right. Recruit, right. you know, right. conscript, take, right? Take these many, give many, right. right. We, we can also infer what we use the census for now. When we look at the census that we do, it's not just for the taxation purposes. Uh, because we're a republic, uh, the more people that we have in a state, the more representatives that we could have. So if there is a change, you could lose uh, congressmen here in the United States if you know the, it declines, or if more people get in there, you can add to it, and even though Caesar Augustus is the emperor, there was still the facade. The facade, <laughs> yes. Of, of what the republic is, and those still there, and because he would use bribes and influence, just like any politician that we would talk about. So the census could be put in place. We could maybe infer that there was that political. Uh, hot potato issue. That, that's yeah. kind of the stuff that they would be about. And that certainly resonates with us. That's what the census is about, or at least one of the main purposes of our census in the United States for representation. Yeah. Um, so all of those are good ideas, and probably it's a combination of those. I mean, uh, taxation, we usually think of maybe income tax kind of thing or whatever, but it also, I've heard it suggested, especially related to how they went back to that land, that, that perhaps... They actually own property there, although we also get the sense that they're poor, so I don't know. But, but some have suggested that, that they own property there and had to be there to, to, to be involved in taxation with regard to their land. Um, either way, uh, government wanted to know who all was there, and, and apparently to, to, to not double count people, like, well, okay, go home so that we know where you are, and we want to get a good, good number and that sort of thing. So. Uh. <clears throat> At this time, uh, lineage was very important uh, to be able to trace back, back, back. And so I think that's one of the reasons why that they're, uh, they're required to be registered. Uh, you say here it's you, we'll prove it. Something of that nature, you know. Uh, what is your lineage and so forth? And the only way they're going to be able to do that is keep the records. And uh, as we know, Back in 70 AD, when all of that was destroyed, and uh, uh, that uh, presented some problems for people. As far as the genealogical records right. that were stored in the temple were yeah. burned. Yeah, was very important. Mm -hmm. We're kind of bleeding into this other part. Uh, what is meant by phrase "his own city"? Why did they have to go there? Hometown, I guess. Home, hometown. Well, not necessarily hometown. Like, well, this is where I was. Born and raised is what we mean, yeah. but for their ancestors. Hey, ancestors, right? So the city of David, you know, David is the one that they 
that we're concerned with as far as the lineage um, the Christ would come through and, the, and, and all of that. But, but that relates to the tribe of Judah. And so that would be, that would be where they're descended from. All right, number two. Where was Joseph required to go as a result of this decree? Who the company? We kind of already touched on that, right? Going to Bethlehem. Um, and who, who, and going to Bethlehem because of the connection to David. That's the city of David, as far as where he was from. We also refer to Jerusalem as the city of David, I guess, as well. Um, so who accompanied him and why? Mary. Mary. And, and why would he take Mary? <laughs> she was with child number one. Yeah. <laughs> he was betrothed to her, so. Yeah. And then she was also of David. You know, we, we studied these, these uh, genealogies, at least on a cursory level. And that's one of the things we've understood, that both of these are descended from David. So that, plus being essentially married, you know, that betrothed uh, is, is more than what we would think of an engagement. It's more of a committed, committed engagement, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Um, so that, that kind of makes sense. And I, I don't know if there's more to it than that. I don't know if anyone had other ideas. Would they have done a census, taken the census, if a woman was not married? I mean, all these people are coming in, and we're talking about the man and his wife. Would they, as a woman came through, would she have counted in that census? Well, I, I think you're alluding to how we often see biblical censuses referring to the number of men. Um, but this is a Roman census, so maybe that doesn't... I'm not sure, but, but I, if, if, if the purpose is taxes, they maybe just want to know who is everyone so we can count that. Um, I know it's is that where you're thinking, like that, that Old Testament idea? I just thought, you know, maybe they wouldn't, a woman coming through, they wouldn't consider her important enough to write down any information about her. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Or, you know, the Jews or whatever. If they could get more money, they probably want to count her. But you know, I, I don't think we have all the details on how this census worked. Or, if she's there might a be child, if she counts twice, she, she gives birth. Yeah, the child's a male. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, I don't know. I know it said they're acquiring all people, which would take in everybody. But I just wondered, you know, like the 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 woman that came through, maybe she was. A widow or something, and you know, didn't have any males in her family or anything that that would cause her name to be remembered. Or yeah, I'm not sure about that. That's a good question. I do know that when Rome would assimilate assimilate other like conquered territories, they would try to assimilate the. the to, to make it an easy transition, they would try to assimilate certain parts of their culture and yeah. stuff too to make it easier for them to uh, assimilate with what's happened to them. And so, if say like Germanic tribes, if, if women were held to a different esteem, if, if it was different than how Rome would, in those territories, Rome usually allowed those situations to persist. And if he's taken out of all territories a census, I believe that those things would have probably been taken into account. So however the, the Jewish people would be 
during that assimilation period, it would probably have been the same thing. The traditions and stuff that the Jews had, in order to make it an easy transition with the least amount of conflict, they would try to do that. And that very well might be the case with regard to the census. And so, you know, perhaps the answer is Mary went with him because she was pregnant and his wife, essentially. Uh, or it could have, it have perhaps to do with her having some responsibility in the census. I'm not sure, totally sure, but I think that's a reasonable idea that Rome and other uh, nations that had influence over this area over time did take different perspectives, and, and often they would they would uh, allow for a certain amount of autonomy with regard to those local customs. And, and it's, it's, I think the root of Cheryl's question is, we usually see the Jewish people tending to count the males, and so perhaps they accommodated that. Don? You mentioned that <clears throat> at this time this was a, a uh, Roman uh, uh, province, or yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, even King Herod wasn't really a king. He was just a puppet for Rome. If you're going to have uh, a lot of people under you, you're going to want to know how many you've got, who they are, what they are, and so forth. I mean, our government does the same thing. Uh, uh, so back then, uh, when they take that census, okay, over here we've got uh, 23,000, over here we've got uh, another 5,000. And these, uh, these are Jews, and these are not Jews, and things like that. But they're all under the, the thumb of Rome. I'm sure they used part of that information to consider how to protect mm -hmm. Rome's interests in terms of stationing soldiers and this sort of thing. Is that maybe part of what you're driving at there? Yeah. Rome had their reasons for this. Um, and I think we're, we're probably touching on a lot of the major points there. You kind of want to know, they would want to know where there might be hotbeds of issues or resistance or things like that. And if they have an accurate number, they know the size of the response they would have to do if anything would come up. And I think the perception was that the whole place was this hotbed of resistance. <laughs> there was different, different rebellions and things that would go on, and so uh, they were paying attention to that. I'm Deep. sure that this wasn't the first time that uh, this census had been taken. Uh, it, it wouldn't have been unreasonable to uh, know that you had to go from this place back to this place in order to be registered properly. Now, it does say in verse 2, this was the first registration, but I think it's the first registration when Quirinius was governor, right. just to give some historical context. D? Whatever the reason was for this, God uses this in a providential way to place Mary mm -hmm. in Bethlehem at the time she's going to get to it, yeah. to fulfill that prophecy. So you can see God's hand and how he's making this happen at a time when, when he needed Mary to be in Bethlehem. Because where would she be if they weren't being drug around to the census in That's Bethlehem? Right. She'd be in Nazareth. Nazareth. And, I mean, right? and he's making the timing just right. So you can see God's hand in all of this coming about with all the prophecy being fulfilled and everything. That he's making sure that everybody's in the right place at the right time for what he wants done. Oh, and that's, that's really a cool thing, you know, and as we go through this whole thing, you'll see his hand in a lot of what's going on and how things happen 
you know, even the placement of the star and, and different things, you know, you can see his hand in making things come into effect and how he's making things work out providentially for Mary and Joseph. Absolutely. I was just I was just thinking, because I, I believe that in this time period too, at least with Caesar Augustus, there's still, I think, a power struggle going on between him and Mark Anthony. I think it's in It's the somewhere same, in this vicinity. In this, in this general I think that may period. have been because he's in some fifty ish, hundred ish years or something. <laughs> not no, not I, that far. I, no, I'm, yeah. Almost positive that this would be in, in that time period because he was. Probably, I know it related to the Herods. It affected the Herods. Uh, yeah. Because Anthony was in Egypt at that time, uh, and so again, the, the idea of the census and things moving out. If this was after that civil conflict, they would probably there would have been enough collateral damage that they would need to have to take into account of everything that's happening. What was long. There could be some outstanding situations of why Caesar would have wanted it at this particular time. Yeah, the turmoil of that. Um, and the aftermath. I'm, th I'm thinking this is more the aftermath. I think that's recent history, I think, at this point. And so the Herod had previously been aligned with Mark Antony, and then all that blew up. And so he had to go back and, like, talk, to, was, talk to Caesar Augustus and, like, hey, I'm, I'm with you now, and all there that was kind of stuff. Three of them, and I yeah, there's a lot of Caesar. There are a lot of Herods. It gets confusing. When Herod is here, the, yeah. the governor was the third one, the one because yeah. there was three of them that were supposed to rule at that time. I think there might even be three concurrent that are different regions here. It's it's uh, it's kind of you. Know, Herod is kind of like Pharaoh, where it's like a. Well, who do you mean? Well, there's different guys. Okay, we maybe we need a chart for that. <laughs> it, I I get confused with all of the the Herods and and all that. Nevertheless, it's the, they're bad guys. It's what, big picture, you know, these Herod guys are, as we'll see. Um, okay, that was question two. Anything else on, on that? Question three, in what, in what city was Jesus born? Kind of answering, this, asking the same question different ways here. Bethlehem, we all, we all know that probably without reading this, right? <clears throat> That's where they were, right, for, for all this context. But why was he born in a stable? Or is that the word, word that yours says? Yeah. So verse, verse 7 there, right? She gave birth to her first, firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, or some sort of feed trough, right, that you'd find in a barn or a manger, stable or whatever. Um because there was no room in the inn. And now this word inn, some discussion over that of, you know, is this like a hotel, like we would think, or is this, were they coming back home to sort of the, the family communal home for this family? And then everyone's coming home because the census, and then they were probably late because she's pregnant and it takes forever. <laughs> and then uh, no room for them uh, at that family home. I don't think it really matters, but just to point out that that some question of what the nature of this inn was. Okay. What Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled by his birth? <clears throat> well, I had Isaiah 714. Um, 
Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which of course means God with us. Isaiah 9, 6. For to, you, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And carrying on there with additional verses that describe this. Uh, Micah 5, 2. I had written down here. <clears throat> but, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, and I think that's another name for Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Yeah? There were two Bethlehems. This just indicates... Oh, is that what it is? is. Yeah, okay. there's two clarifying. bills in Ohio. <laughs> and that there's two Bethlehems. One, one starts with the Z, has the extra with the Z oh. the name, and I can't remember where it's at. Just like there's the multiple Antiochs and multiple... So this just designates so exactly which, so it's, it just shows how specific it okay. was. In Genesis 3.15, someone was saying it goes clear back to talking about Satan and, and Jesus. Okay. And then some of that becomes more fulfilled through his death and resurrection later on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hosea 11.1, 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son, which, of course, we'll see that referenced in Matthew, certainly, as we, mm-hmm. as we go on. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. All right, back to our main part of our text here. Okay, question four. Who appeared to shepherds who were in the fields near Bethlehem? You say the angel of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Angel. So, do we think this is Gabriel? An angel. Yeah, it says angel. <laughs> I think we tend to think it's this, you know, we were told in, in, in chapter 1, verse 26, when the angel appeared to Mary, that it was Gabriel. Which and so. Stands before the face of God. But but this this just says an angel, so could be Gabriel, could be another one unnamed. So I think maybe in the traditions that uh, we tend to want to name name them and, and all that. Okay, what was his message to them to these to these shepherds? Well, they were scared to death, and he told them not to be afraid, and then he, he explained to them why he was there to bring to announce the birth. The Son of God, and where they would find him. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'll just read here, uh, verse 11. Some of these references to some of these verses we've already quoted in the Old Testament. Unto you is born this day, and the child is born, you know. He's Christ the Lord, Christ the Messiah. That's, that's of course, this is the New Testament used that word Christ for the Old Testament word. Messiah, and then the Lord, you know, it can mean master, but thinking about Old Testament, it's that, that name of God, Yahweh, often in all caps in our Old Testament. Yeah. Certainly we know that's part of what's being taught here in the gospel accounts, is that, is that 
Jesus is the Messiah and is, and is God, God with us, Emmanuel, all of those things. And you'll go find him. You'll go find him at the... And what's the sign? Uh, is that one of the questions here? <laughs> Let's see. Um, how were they to know the Christ when they saw him? What was distinctive about what, what they'll find? See? I'm sure he's probably the only one in a manger. Yeah. And that, you know, there's probably not, there may have been a lot of babies in that area, as you find later when we go out in future two years. There's probably a lot of babies in there, but this one was the one that's wrapped in swamping clothes and in a manger. I think it's really kind of neat. God is providing witnesses to the event by, by the angels telling the um, shepherds about it. And they become witnesses when they go and see what happened. And that, though I don't think that was the only intent of it, you know, I think that, you know, the angels appeared before godly men that would show interest in what was going on that maybe was looking forward to that day. And that, and here they were revealing that to them. But, but I, I think it's kind of neat that, that um, now it isn't just Mary and, and Joseph that know that this has happened, but you also have these other people. And I kind of wonder, um, are the swaddling cloths distinct? I guess I'm not entirely sure what that means. I mean, we had, we had babies and we wrapped them up like a burrito, you know, like swaddled them. <laughs> um, you kind of do that with babies, I think. I don't know if they were, we're weird or we're not doing that because we're trying to mimic Luke chapter 2 or anything. <laughs> um, it makes them feel secure. Yeah. But, but the lying in the manger... As Dee said, that's weird. That's probably the only one you'll find. And then, and, then, and then that's even called out then later when they find him. They find him in verse 16. They found the baby lying in manger. Like, like that's sort of fulfilling the sign. Like that's what they're looking for. Um, maybe there's some significance to the swaddling cloths besides that's how you take care of babies. But I don't know. Yeah. I saw on Facebook the other day they had a car seat for a baby. And you wrap it up like in swaddling to when you put that baby in that car seat. There's something there, you know, that wraps around them to make them feel secure. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, they like that. That's yeah. come a long ways from yeah. the manger to the car seat. I mean, it keeps them all together and <laughs> they seem to be more comforted and they cry less and they kind of, you know. <clears throat> Even if they find we have what we call bassinet. Uh huh. You know, kind of mimics what a major would have been back also. Certainly. But I think we would probably also say, this is our nice clean bassinet we painted white and <laughs> put little bows on. And then the manger, while shaped pretty similarly and served, served the purpose, was, you know, had grain in it and the horses were trying to keep back or whatever. So, so yeah, it's still, we do similar things, but I think it was distinctive. Like, yeah. yeah. It's just humility. Yeah. This is a very humble beginning that you have to, your bed is a trough for it. Yeah. So this shows the humility. He has nowhere to lie his head, you know, later. he's told later. Yeah, so it's, it's a very, a king boy, <clears throat> not in a big palace with a nice, big, you know, thing. It's, it's, he's in a stable where nobody lives other than animals. 
laying in a manger where you feed an animal, you know, so that shows the humility of it. So we see this turning of the tables of normal things so often in, in Jesus. Amanda? I'm just reading here, like when we think of something to swaddle a baby, like the burrito comes to mind where you have, like, I remember mom showing me how to do this, and I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> it looks like torture, like but they love it. <laughs> one kind of giant cloth or yeah. blanket or something, and then you burrito them up, and they look like a bean or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is plural. Yeah. So what I'm reading is it's, it's like actual strips. Long strips of cloth, so multiple cloth. Yeah. Not just one giant burrito. You know, he had kind of like you think of mummy mm-hmm. like bands. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the what I'm reading because I just always thought, you know, oh, the swaddling cloth just wrap them up like a burrito, like Christian was a burrito. <laughs> um, but it's a little bit a little different. different. And it's yeah. similar too to what they did when someone would pass away. Um, they wrapped them in these strips of cloth as opposed mm-hmm. to one kind of large blanket. Like yeah, and I've heard that point made that that uh, at his birth he was wrapped up in a similar way to you. You know, he was born to die, right? Because we we know that that is the story. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know enough about the practice of swaddling cloths to know if if it's just kind of like what we do with burritoing our kids, or if it, or if it is some unique thing. Um, you know, the strips, or maybe, it, maybe they didn't have enough, you know, the nice blanket, and they did what they could, and they had these junky rags, and they just, you know, speaking to the poverty again. Um, those are all legitimate ideas to consider. Don? I, I was thinking, excuse me, last week that uh, uh, Mary and Joseph are going to Bethlehem. Uh, she's nearing that time of the birth, so she knows it's about time. And I think that uh, as, as they're traveling, or when they're prepared to travel, she probably took those swaddling cloths with her. And as has been mentioned, uh, they may have been strips. And if they were strips, they would have been much easier to roll up and carry, too. Um, but uh, it, was a, it was a common practice. So I think that she would be prepared for something like that. Not, it's not like she didn't know this was coming. Sure, sure. But, but there also seems to be a threat of poverty through this mm-hmm. uh, with regard to not having a good place to stay, although there's sort of a circumstance with the crowding. But, you know, later we see the, the way that they, uh, the, the gifts in the temple they gave were, were those that the poorer people would give and not, not those that uh, others would give. We're pretty much out of time there. I'll ring the bell. We'll pick up there next time, Lord willing, on question five. Thank you for listening to the Nearer to God podcast by the North End Church of Christ in Ashland, Ohio. For more information or to contact us, please go to our website at churchofchristashland.org. May God bless you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. all my song shall be near.